I know that throughout this, and I even knew it when I was preparing this, I'm, I've been repeating myself. I keep going back to the same points, but the reason I'm doing that, especially in this one, is at a theoretical level, it's like, okay, there's this thing, this part of me that's undermining myself, but it really doesn't take, it, it takes a while to truly kind of accept this. Um, and so that's why I keep going back and re-emphasizing the same points over and over again is because it's easy to hear somebody go, oh, yeah, there's a part of us ourselves that kind of undermines ourselves and seeks our own like destruction. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But uh, I think it's really important to see how this is really, it is truly a part of ourselves and how it's playing itself out in our lives, in our, in our world, in our politics. And um, I think that's why, like, I, I think it's, this one in particular is extremely important, I think, for the left to understand and come to terms with and to see how it functions in politics um, because a lot of this is really oblivious like you don't really notice it until somebody who's into psychoanalysis like I didn't notice this shit until I got into psychoanalysis and so um, I think for the sake of politics and uh, you know political progress even uh, this concept in particular is really essential Okay, so Zizek on Death Drive. So drive is satisfied through its movement, whereas desire is inherently dissatisfied. So here's the thing. There is this distinction between desire and drive, and this is a big one, especially in Lacanian psychoanalysis, and oftentimes it is not clear. And oftentimes it seems like they kind of go hand in hand, desire and drive. But... Zizek is important because he really wants to emphasize that there's a difference here. And desire, the way, the idea is that they have different structures, right? They almost can maybe feel similar, but what, how desire works is not how drive works. And so uh, Zizek contrasts the satisfaction of drive with the dissatisfaction of desire. And there's a thing that Lacanians will always say, that desire is a defense against jouissance. Well, there's one of the big differences, right? With drive, you're getting some kind of jouissance. It might not be like the primordial, mythological, perfect jouissance, right? But you're getting some sort of jouissance when it comes to drive. Desire actually doesn't give you jouissance. Uh, it, desire wants to keep on desiring, which is to say it wants to... Uh, it, 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 it wants to not get the object, right? Even though it constantly is pursuing it. And so the point is desire really doesn't get jouissance. It, it, it desires precisely so it can get, like, desire desires desire. That's a thing you'll hear Lacanians say. And so it's almost a trick desire plays on itself. Desire will tell you it wants jouissance. But what it really wants is to not get jouissance just so it can keep on desiring. So desire wants to be dissatisfied. It wants to lack jouissance, even though it's constantly pursuing it. Whereas drive actually gets jouissance, but it does it gets it from missing the object it's chasing. It's bizarre. And I get this is like so again, drive gets some some kind of jouissance, right? It actually, you know, it actually has some sort of jouissance. Whereas desire is always dissatisfied. It's always lacking jouissance. Uh, yet it's always pursuing it, right? 
the way to think of desire is the the image of the 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 donkey's carrot, right? Where somebody's holding out a carrot on a string in front of a donkey, and the donkey is constantly moving towards the carrot, but you know it doesn't get it no matter how much it moves towards it. That's how desire works with what it uh, desires. Uh, it, 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 it's structured in such a way as to continuously not get jouissance. And so um, Zizek says in Less Than Nothing, uh, that is to say one can conceive the rotary motion of the drive. Again, that's rotary motion has to do with this, the, the way of talking about the circularity of the drive, that the drive just wants to go round and round and round uh, without actually attaining the thing it's circling, right? Uh, the rotary motion of the drive as a way to avoid the deadlock of desire. The primordial lack slash impossibility, the fact that the object of desire is always missed, is converted into a profit when the aim of libido is no longer to reach its object, but to repeatedly turn around it. Satisfaction is generated by the very repeated failure of direct satisfaction. So there's, again, that's complicated, but he's saying desire is like wants this kind of direct satisfaction. There's something that's desire. There's something causing it to desire, and it wants to fill the void, right? It wants direct, immediate access to jouissance. And what's weird about drive is drive actually does get some jouissance, but it's precisely because desires never getting what it wants. It's always chasing it. And so drive is getting this enjoyment from desire not getting what it's chasing, not getting what it wants. And so it's it, it's funny that it's the it, it, it's in not getting what it wants, in indirect enjoyment that the drive enjoys. So it's as if we are always chasing some primordial jouissance, some sort of jouissance with a capital J, <clears throat> and we want this direct, immediate jouissance. And in reality, the only jouissance we ever actually have is from not getting what we want, but in pursuing what we want. So it's like there's, this is why there's this term Lacan comes up with that Zizek's going to use in the next quote called uh, surplus enjoyment. There's like the direct enjoyment, the direct jouissance, we really want that. It's like in fantasy, it's like sublime, right? But then there's the actual jouissance we get in the pursuit of the direct jouissance we want. And again, if this is like kind of uh, difficult to follow, uh, I understand it's it's uh, theoretically challenging. But again, he's trying to make this sharp distinction between drive and desire, which is often confused or blurred in Lacan and uh, uh, that's a you know it's 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 difficult but he's getting at this really important insight here so <clears throat> and he goes on and one can also conceive desire as a mode of avoiding the circularity of the drive the self-enclosed rotary movement is recast as a repeated failure to reach a transcendent object which always eludes its grasp so Again, it's another way of saying that desire wants to go directly for this this object. It never can, but drive is in a weird way taking advantage because it enjoys the very 
inability, the missing of the object, right? The, the failure to, to attain the object. So that's that's the like there's this weird friction between drive and desire, and uh, drive is ultimately profiting off of the failure of desire to reach its object. So uh, then he continues within the domain of drive. The same gap appears in the guise of the difference between the drive's goal and aim. So I've already kind of alluded to this th distinction here between the drive's goal and the drive's aim. He says, as elaborated by Lacan, the drive's goal to reach its object is false. It masks its true aim, which is to reproduce its own circular movement by way of repeatedly missing its object. Right. So again, it's as if the drive, it's weird. You can't talk to the drive, but it, hypothetically, uh, just pretend you could talk to a drive. A drive would say it's doing what it's doing uh, for a goal. Like it's trying to reach a certain object. It's trying to gain satisfaction uh, from an object. But that is actually not the true aim. The true aim is to continue to not get what it wants and to enjoy this not getting uh, what it wants. And that's where the jouissance is actually in. So uh, this is where I'm sure you know people, right, who you say they have a certain talent and they should pursue it, right? Uh, and yet you can tell in some weird way they enjoy not pursuing it or, or they enjoy not realizing it. Or uh, it's like somebody who says they want to be famous, but they go out of their way to sabotage sabotage every opportunity they have to become famous. Uh, the enjoyment is not where you think it is, right? And so that's what he's getting at here. Um, if the fantasized unity with the object brought the full impossible incestuous jouissance, what I've been calling primordial jouissance he often will uh, call it incestuous jouissance because it goes back to this, the idea of having this immense jouissance at your mother's body. And it doesn't even have to be your literal mother, just your primary caregiver, right? It's the idea that when you're an infant, you're not uh, subject to prohibition. You're not in language, right? It's like you exist in just pure, unmediated, direct jouissance. And it's like once we're in language and we become socialized and restrictions are put on our, our enjoyment and our desire, uh, it's as if we retroactively at an unconscious level think like, oh, we have this kind of incestuous, immediate jouissance that we'll never have again, but we want again. And so that's kind of the phantasmatic jouissance is like a, a jouissance more intense and more perfect than any kind of jouissance we'll ever actually have. But the point is, we didn't really have this. All you have to do is be around a baby for a while to see that babies are not in this kind of libidinal bliss. Like, half the time they're fuss, fussing and crying and, all. you know, babies don't have it perfect. But it's weird. It's like a retroactive effect of uh, becoming a subject of the law, of accepting prohibition, of being socialized, that it's like this unconscious thing. Well, if I... The, the, you know, to become a social subject, I had to give up something. And it's weird. You didn't really give up anything, right? You just, it, it's, it's bizarre. There, there's no real thing you gave up to become socialized. It's just a kind of dynamic you were in before language. And yet we reify it and we act like there's some, some object that's just like 
filled with concentrated jouissance. And if we ever get it, we're going to be in libidinal heaven, right? But no object actually exists like that. So, but, but the thing is, we do have jouissance, uh, and uh, the jouissance we actually have, like we can call it actually existing jouissance, is uh, surplus jouissance or sur surplus enjoyment. So he says, Yeah, I've never really understood that idea. What is yeah, that? It, yeah. okay, so at the level of libidinal economy, it's like I was just talking about. It's as if there is this mythical jouissance, like if we just get it, whatever it is, it's like it will blow our minds, right? Like it, it's, it's the enjoyment beyond all enjoyment we're all seeking. But that enjoyment doesn't actually exist. But what does exist is the enjoyment we get from seeking that enjoyment. And that's surplus enjoyment. It's it's the enjoyment we get from pursuing the object uh, the enjoyment we'll never get. And again, I hate to talk in these terminological circles like that, but hey, you're you're this is part of what this comes with the territory, I guess. So um if the fantasized unity with the object brought the full slash impossible incestuous jouissance, the drive's repeated missing of its object does not simply compel us to be satisfied with a lesser enjoyment, but generates a surplus enjoyment of its own, the plus de jour. Uh, and so that's, again, it's this idea that the, the enjoyment we actually have is the enjoyment we get from not getting the enjoyment we actually want. <laughs> and so uh, it seems like all of this is irrelevant. I get that, right? Well, this just seems like little distinctions within other distinctions. But the point for Lacan is uh, when you're talking to somebody, you're always you're talking to an, uh, a patient, an analyzand. They're always going to start talking about like some fantasy or whatever where they think it, it's just the end-all, be-all. It's it, right? And it's as if they think that's what they're focused on. That's where their enjoyment lies is if I could just get this, if I could realize this fantasy. But the the, the jouissance that actually makes their life go round, the, 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 that they're actually seeking, is in activities they don't even realize are the source of their enjoyment. And so, uh, you know, the idea why people stay in certain relationships, why people sabotage their careers, right? What you realize is that it doesn't have to do with this kind of phantasmatic jouissance they're telling you about. It usually has to do with some jouissance that they, they usually don't even notice is the source of their satisfaction or enjoyment. And so this is, you know, he was always concerned with topology, right? He was always trying to map the terrain that is the human being or the human psyche. And for him to shape people to help them with their death drive, to help them with their jouissance, really uh, involves locating what activities they actually get surplus enjoyment from. Where is there actually existing jouissance, right? Because it's not going to be where they tell you it's at. So all of this seems really theoretical and almost inessential. But it's really, really important because when you start to analyze society through these terms, you realize the reason, you know, Spinoza has that great quote, right? Why do men desire their repression as if it is their freedom? This explains this kind of stuff, right? This explains why people allow certain systems of 
oppression or exploitation to reproduce themselves because even though they have problems with them right there's also ways they enjoy them and so part of us would have part of being a, a critic of ideology or a cultural critic would be highlighting these forms of enjoyment that actually keep us locked into the system that some other aspect of ourselves would love to get out of so it's weird right because um it, it, like I say, because there's multiple aspects of ourselves, uh, the drive is getting certain enjoyment, desires doing its thing, you have fundamental fantasy, there's these different components, and to really figure out where the problem is in a specific, specific situation involves understanding these different structures and how they work. And so that's why Lacan and Zizek go to so much work to make these distinctions and flesh them out. In an attempt to bring in new people to the world of philosophy and theory while building on relationships already established, we are doing a countrywide tour of the United States this fall. What's up, guys? It's Anna Dave. Are we coming to a city or a town near you? Do you think there is a venue or audience in your local region that would be interested in a lecture or facilitated discussion about existentialism, critiques of therapism, PMC ideology, self-help, introduction to philosophy, or the time energy critique of any of those things. This speaking and discussion facilitation tour will include the Pacific Northwest in mid-August, the Kansas City, Missouri area late August or early September, Philadelphia at the beginning of October, and really we're going to be all over the area there hopefully, so get in contact with us if you think that we should come visit your state. Phoenix, Arizona, mid-October, and SoCal, especially San Diego, late October. I say especially San Diego because we already have our guide for the San Diego region. What's the difference between a host, a guide, and a volunteer, you ask? Well, thanks for asking, actually. The volunteer role is for people who want to put up posters or in other ways promote the events that will be occurring in their town or city. Whereas the host might have a guest bedroom, guest house, or a place that we can park our van so that we can sleep in our van. We need to know if you would have like bathroom facilities or anything like that. And so the form on the website is where you can tell us what you have to offer. Guiding on the other hand though, people who love to guide take a lot of pride in their local knowledge. A good example of that would be Michael Downs when I visited him in Raytown, Missouri, and he took me into Kansas City and we had barbecue and he took me to the mall and to all these other landmark places from his life growing up there. Um, but a more recent example would be my friend Michael in Poland who took us around Katowice, Poland and basically gives a historical and sociological analysis of everything and it was amazing. It was, it was one of the coolest things we've ever experienced and it made us realize some people just want to provide the space and privacy whereas other people want to take you out and show you around and so if you're interested in being a volunteer host or guide we have a special form for that so please fill out your information and uh, get in contact with us as soon as possible so we can fit you into the schedule because we'll love to meet you touch base with the local community and if you don't think anyone else in your area 
is interested in the things that you're interested in, if you don't think anyone else is into this stuff, well, we might be able to surprise you. When I saw that poster, Boldrillard in Boise fucking Idaho, are you kidding me? It was virtually an, an answer to an unspoken prayer, you know, really was. And I just couldn't believe that somebody was interested in the things that I was interested in, that I had been interested in for years and had kind of given up on in, in futility. I'd labored in solitude for so long, I had no one to talk to about it, no one to bounce ideas off. This tour is going to bring together a lot of people who want to be based in text with the people they're in conversation with. and. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic year. The only other thing that I want to say is that Michael Downs' first book is going to be published by Theory Underground really soon here. I've got another book coming out really soon here. These books will be spread throughout the United States on this tour. So I'm hoping to be able to do some actual book launch events at various bookstores. Outside of that, I guess the last thing that I would say is that Michael Downs is gearing up to teach For They Know Not What They Do by Slavoj Žižek. We're putting out all these introduction videos and other interviews related to the topic of Hegel, Lacan, Žižek because we want to give people an accessible and sturdy basis in the discourse. The problem is, is that Michael Downs is very busy having to work at a wage slave job. And so if you want to help in freeing Mikey, make sure to go to his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the dangerous baby and make a donation. Thank you. I would be remiss to close this out without a quick shout out to our patrons and our anonymous donors. Thank you so much for the donations that already we've only been around for a month. We already got over three thousand dollars in donations um and so thank you and uh stay tuned for the app which is on its way there will be a theory underground app so the current setup is that it is a social media site built around courses where you can suppose that people who are involved in the discussions have a shared interest in the same or similar texts and where you can assume in a lot of the discussions that yeah people have read the stuff that you're reading uh that you're bringing into dialogue and so uh for instance the idea of the university by carl jaspers dedicated for him for they don't know what they do dedicated for him and then as people take the course over the years new people will be coming into that forum and so if you get in there early you'll be able to see how the conversation evolves and as new people add into the conversation it'll bring back memories and like things that you want to work through questions that you had with the first time that you read the text and so i'm really excited for this the reason i've built this website is because i think that this is what's lacking in so many other spaces is that ability to return to be able to communicate after the fact and in a sustained way on a platform that's not attention grabby and annoying like discord and so stay tuned because there is an app on the way thank you to our donors if you want to donate go to theory underground.com forward slash support thank you